0: We're going to be in John chapter 6 this morning. We're wrapping up our series on Jesus is and declaring those those big words that he says, I am. And uh, the book of John actually gave seven of them, and, and we didn't go through all seven. But this this last one today is, is so important that I hope that you get it. Uh, last week was uh, our resurrection Sunday was Easter. We had a, a great time and it always feels good. And then, uh, then the next Sunday, all those uh, visitors, uh, may or may not come back. And if you came back, uh, welcome. We're so glad that you came back. But I hope that you don't feel depressed or feel like, oh man, uh, this is life. This is the ebb and flow, right? And so our job is just to be faithful, right? Just to be faithful. But here's what I want to build off of that we learned last week. That if he is the resurrection and the life, the real life, not just the existence, not just our ability to turn uh, oxygen into CO2. If he is the life, then what does that mean for us? And where do we go from here? Okay, I get the revelation. You came back from the dead. I get it. And, and, And one of the things we couldn't even get into last week is this. The disciples who followed him for three years didn't get it. Right? They didn't get it. The disciples who followed him for three years didn't believe. You say, well, how can that be? Who was waiting outside the tomb going, three, two, one? Nobody. Right? Right? nobody's watching. Nobody believes he's coming back. They just watched him die, beaten, bloody, bruised, defeated. Nobody's thinking, yep, just wait three days, guys. Just wait. He he told us three days, right? He told us three days, right? Yeah, he told us three days. Nobody was out there waiting. They were all sitting in their rooms going, I don't know what's going to happen. And one of the important verses that we see, like I said, this is, this is real life for us. Hopefully, it's real life for you, too. It's real life for me, because when I read these stories, I see myself. And you remember, if you've read any scripture at all, that Peter was very passionate, a fierce follower of Jesus Christ. This is the man that stepped up and said, I'm not going to let this happen. He draws his sword, right? But he's really saying, I'll die for you. In fact, I'll kill for you. And in his haste, he, he swings the sword and it chops off Malchus' ear. And Jesus says, Peter, Peter, put, put the sword away, right? Now, here's this fierce, passionate guy. And before the third day is even over of Jesus being dead, you know what Peter decides? He's not waiting outside the tomb going, Come on. How long is it going to be? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know what Peter says? I'm going fishing going back to what I used to do. And if we're not careful, as we read through our story today, many of us find ourselves in that cycle of we have an experience with God. It it has an emotional response. It has a spiritual response. But if we don't understand that He is the life, we will get in that cycle. And what happens is we come to Him in desperate need and then we go back to fishing, and then we come to him in a desperate need, and we go back to him fishing. And we never secure ourselves to the point that Jesus is the life, he is the life we're supposed to live, he is the life we're supposed to be, he's the life we're supposed to represent to the rest of the world, not just so we can be greedy and say, Oh, thank God. I have eternal life, but we can say, I want to show the rest of the world how to have a real life, how to have a real marriage, how to have a real uh, abundant life so that I'm happy and joyful. And it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen, but it means that we've fixed our future and our faith on Him and not circumstances or feelings. Faith and feelings sometimes are diametrically opposed (laughs) Sometimes, actually, the depth of your faith will actually countermand your feelings that when you're feeling at your worst, you realize, but I still have Christ. And it doesn't mean it feels good. It just means you've secured your faith in the one that goes beyond our feelings because it's about faith. And faith is not feelings. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. That's what Hebrews tells us, right? It's the substance of things hoped for if you had it you wouldn't need faith you just have facts and so as we read through this there's some there's some parts that are going to be underlined and 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 highlighted so that you understand the contrast that if you're struggle with this like like everybody struggles with this welcome to the human race but hopefully you'll make a decision this morning to move beyond just the revelation oh He is the life, but then you go back to your life. And it doesn't mean you change jobs, it doesn't mean you go off to seminary, it doesn't mean you become a professional evangelist. What it really means is your thought life and your spiritual life shifts, and all of a sudden I realize this is important. This is a lifestyle change. This is a forever thing. This isn't just a when I feel it, I need it thing. This isn't just a I I need to get a a fix thing. Because if we're not careful, we'll treat Jesus like a drug that once the emotions wear off, we got to go back and get another hit. And He is our constant provider all the time. Let's read this. John, we're going to start in verse 22. Now, he had just done an amazing thing. He had just fed 5,000 people. They were following him there in a desert place, And, and so we're picking up after this. So this is the very next day, okay? The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw the disciples had taken the only boat... And they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberius landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the people saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into their boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for them. Okay, so they see this, right? So they realize he's gone. They, they go to follow him. They Hey, where did Jesus and the disciples go? Great. Verse 25. They finally find him on the other side of the lake, and here's what they ask him Rabbi, when did you get here? Okay? Right? I love Jesus because he cuts right to the heart of their question. They're trying to engage in a little bit of social protocol. Right? We do this, we learn this at a young age. Right? I've got kids. I know how their tone changes. I know how their behavior changes when they want something. Because most of our kids don't walk up and say, yo, pops, give me 20 bucks. And so Jesus cuts through all the social dialogue, and look what he says. Now look at, what did they ask? When did you get here? We've been missing you. We, We noticed you were gone, right? here's what Jesus says. I'm telling you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. He's like, you want to know why you're looking for me? You were not looking for me because after seeing those miracles yesterday, you realize he's the Messiah. This is the man sent from God that's going to make a way for us. I, I got to I got to follow this guy. That's not why you're following me. You know why you're following me? Because I gave you bread. And now you're thinking, I wonder if he's made breakfast. He did bread for lunch. I wonder if he does French toast. You didn't understand the miracles, what the miracle was for. You thought the miracle was just so that people could eat. Instead of realizing that I'm the provider that takes care of you. You didn't understand this. Verse 27. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Now look at this. Direct contrast. That's what he's saying. You came looking for physical bread. You were hungry. You followed me because you didn't want to have to make bread yourself. And I think it's pretty amazing that those miracles, if you look past what happened, that how long does it take to make bread, especially in those days, right? We just don't go to the supermarket and get bread. It's a process, right? Get the grain, grind the grain, make the flour, add some yeast if you're going to make unleavened bre- or make leavened bread you got to bake it. you got to knead it. you got to do all those things. It doesn't just poof. How about fishing? Unless you're a really good fisherman, you've got to find the place, because back then they didn't have fishing poles. Guess what they had to do? You had to find a boat if you didn't have a boat, or you had to go find somebody that knew how to fish. It was a process, and the reason they call it fishing is because sometimes you don't get fish. If you got fish every time, they would call it catching. But it's not called catching. It's called fishing. (laughs) And you would have to physically take a net and throw it in the water and drag it back in. Nothing. And throw it in the water. And you better hope you knew where fish were. If you didn't know where fish were, it could be quite a long day. And so Jesus just takes that, and he's like, you want to see something? Look at this. I've got bread that you didn't have to make. I didn't send everybody home. And he just starts breaking the bread, Breaks the fish, and everybody ate, and there was actually plenty left. But here they are looking, and he's like, you're being way too concerned about this just temporal, emotional, oh, your, your tummy's grumbling. Okay, you need food. How about realizing that there's more than that? You need to start thinking about what the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of His approval. Look at that. I am the chosen one. I am the anointed one. I am the one that does these miraculous signs, not so I can do tricks, but so that I can prove to you when you don't believe that I have the power. And he says this quite frequently in the Gospels. He's like, oh, you think me making the the lame man walk was a pretty good thing? Watch this. Your sins are forgiven. You want to see something that's even more powerful? I forgive sins. And that blows their mind. But how many of you this morning, most of the time when you go to Jesus, it's just for a physical need? Especially in America, we struggle with this a lot. Most of our our times relating to Christ and the church and all those things, people go to church because they need something. Not because they want to worship God, not because they want to become a disciple. They go to church because they need something. They go to a pastor because they need something. They run to Jesus because they need something. And he gets that. That's part of the experience. We all need a Savior. But if you keep that pattern up, you will be weak. And pretty soon Jesus is going to say, you're not following me because you're going to follow me. You're following me because you need another fix. You need another emotional high. You need somebody to cry with you. You need somebody that's going to give you something. You need money. You need your rent paid. You need this. You need counseling. You need... And and our needs are real. But listen, if you're following Jesus only for the physical, temporal things, he says that the reality is pretty soon you will stop following because pretty soon he's going to stop doing that stuff for you. It's called Maturity. God has given me this seal of approval, he says. Verse 28. And they get spiritual for a moment. Oh, of course. We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Look at this. They're actually asking. Okay, you've been given God's seal of approval. You've done these mighty things. We want to do God's work too. Jesus says... This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one He has sent. Right? If you truly want to do good work, believe that I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that God has chosen. Believe that I am the Christ. That's the work you need to do. And we're going to come back to that. Okay? believe in the one he has sent, they said, show us a sign. And if I was Jesus, I would have said, what did you see yesterday? Why are you following me today if there hadn't been this miraculous sign? You see, this is the same problem that the Pharisees had. They kept wanting to know, where did your authority come from? If you really are the Son of God, then do a miracle. Because as humans, we can't do miracles. Do a miracle, and then we'll believe you. Well, Jesus had just done a miracle, and here they are, and he says very plainly, I am God. And they say, oh, we understand that. We want to help you. How do we help you? Believe that I'm the Messiah. Okay, show us a sign. Do you see this looping pattern? Believe me, that's the sign. Okay, show me a sign. I'll show you a sign when you believe me. Okay, I'll believe you. Show me a sign. If they need proof, then they don't have faith. And believe me, church, a miraculous sign never gives our flesh enough proof. Unfortunately, the miraculous signs only feed the mystique and the desire of the flesh, and then when it's gone, where's our faith? It's based on my flesh being fed, my flesh being pleased. You see, this is why, buckle up for just a minute, those of you that are 15 and older, this is why revivals at one time were so popular. Many of them, made us feel good. And then a week after the revival was done, nobody was acting any different than a week before the revival ever started. But during that week, woo, and we're here, and we're shouting, and we're spitting, and we're sweating, and people are on the floor. And two weeks later, you can't tell that there ever was a revival. They're just as messed up. In fact, they're not even in church. They don't know where their Bible is. They haven't been led to discipleship, but their flesh felt good, and you got done, and you said, Woo, he, man, he got it going tonight. And if I were to ask you, what was the, what was the dramatic life change that happened, you would have said, uh, And it's not that it wasn't powerful. It's not that there weren't times of anointing and that God did stuff. But do you realize that none of those times last and last and last. They're there to draw us. And then we have to do the same thing these people have to do. we got to make a choice. Am I going to follow God because He's God or am I going to keep searching for the thrill? And it leads to people that go to the next conference and the next thing and the next high and the next speaker and the next evangelist and the next. And all you're doing is you are now a Jesus fiend that you need your next hit and you have no maturity and no basis because you just need another sign and another sign and another sign. And then deception gets easy to set in because all you need is somebody that makes you feel something and you'll follow it. And I've been around long enough to see all this craziness from angel feathers falling from the sky, magic rocks being left, or holy stones being left from one of the the old ephods. And I'm thinking, what? To supernatural teeth fillings. Oh, God did it. I've got to... A transparent gold filling. God made our teeth. Why didn't he just fill it with teeth, like he did when we were born? Evangelists that have the power to heal people, but they still wear glasses. And I'm not calling anything a fake. I'm just saying that the response is on us to decide, are we only going to follow Jesus when it feels good and he gives us what we want? Or are we going to follow him when he says, do you realize who I am? That if you keep looking for the bread, you're going to miss me. You just coming from the bread, you're not actually seeking out me. You made it sound like it, oh... Rabbi, when did you get here? But what we're really asking is, are you going to give us more bread? Are you going to make breakfast? It's so convenient when you just manifest it, and I don't have to go and fix it, and I don't have to go and catch it. It's so much easier. We'll sit down. (laughs) Make us some breakfast. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. How about you this morning? What's it going to take for you to actually believe that Jesus is Jesus and you make that adjustment? What's it going to take? You've heard his word. You've heard me preach. If if you've been with me a while, you know that we keep talking about the Word. You know that He calls us to follow. You know He calls us to to step up. You know He calls us into discipleship. And you know all of this, and yet the question is, what's it going to take for you to actually believe that Jesus is Jesus, and what He said is true, and He's expecting it from you? Do you need another sign? Maybe the sign is, you decide to say yes. What if that was the sign? (laughs) You just do a sign, and we'll believe in you. I love this last part, and this is the New Living Translation. What can you do? Do something really cool. What can you do? After all, now here they go. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they Look at where did they go back to? We want to see a miraculous sign. Now, what are they back to? Somebody got to eat something, right? <laughs> These are hungry people. This, I mean, this is us, right? We are passionate about food. Watch commercials. We are eaters and drinkers in America, right? Jesus, just give us food. Show us a miraculous sign. In fact, you know, I think there was a couple signs that involved food. I think you should do pizza. Look at how they get misplaced. Remember I said deception sets in? Look at this. Our ancestors ate manna, which is bread that was given, while they journeyed through the wilderness because they were in a place where nothing was there and God showed that He was a provider again by producing manna. Now here's what's crazy. The Scriptures say, look at they're quoting hold on, because this riles me up. When people say, the Scriptures say, and the Scriptures don't say, they are perverting the Word of God and leading other people astray it brings deception. What do these people now think because of their oral tradition where they've heard this again and again? They said the Scriptures say that Moses gave them bread from heaven for us. Who gave them bread? Moses gave us bread. Can you beat that? Church, we've got the ability to see from the the backside of this. We've already read the story. But can you imagine how Jesus felt having a crowd of people telling him what the Scriptures say? And having people tell him, your Father in heaven didn't make the bread, Moses made the bread for them. You know what Moses' part was? He just begged God. Sometimes he begged God to provide, and sometimes he begged God to kill all the people. (laughs) That's what Moses did. (laughs) Thank God that Moses and God didn't have a bad day on the same day, or none of us would be here. Because there's days where Moses is like, God, just kill them all. And he's like, they are my people. For my name's sake, I'm going to save them. And there's days where God says, I'm killing them all. And Moses says, whoa, Lord, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 (laughs) wait. Thank God that their times didn't line up, right? Moses gave the people bread from heaven. Look what Jesus says, verse 32. What does he say to clarify? I'm going to tell you the And what I said about deception? When we start following these signs and it leads to bad places? I'll tell you the truth. You say Moses did this. I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. Look at this. He's dangling it out there. I'm trying to... You guys want to talk about bread? Let's talk about bread. You guys have got bread on your brain right now. Great, let's talk about bread. You you thought Moses gave it to you? Nope, my father gave it to you, and now he's offering you an even better bread than manna. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now he's speaking of himself. He's wondering... If they'll ask, who is this one that came down? But they're pretty dense because they're only thinking with their flesh, only thinking with their stomachs. Just like before, he kept saying, I've got something better and they'll they, we'll give us bread. They go back to this again. Now he's no longer rabbi, now he's sir. The real bread is the one that comes down to save the world. They said, great, give us that bread every day. (laughs) This is so funny to me. This is such the human experience. I love it. This is why the Bible is so great and so real. Look at this. You say God can give us bread. Yep, we want that bread every day. if God brings the bread and I don't have to make the bread, I just get to eat the bread, I would like that bread every day. We want microwave faith. We want instant faith. We don't want to actually have to put ourselves on the line to believe and to step out and to follow and to do all that stuff. You just show me a sign. You just give me bread. And in fact, I want that bread every day. Now, here's the trick and the trap. If we go back to that original story in Exodus, God was providing manna for them every day, but what happened? They got greedy, and they took more than what they need, and it began to stink and spoil and grow worms. And pretty soon God said, you can't trust me? Enough of that mess. What do you think would happen if Jesus said, great, I'll give you bread every day? Pretty soon we would be saying, is that all you can do, is bread? Right. We did this experiment in our household many years ago. Uh, our families always liked tacos. And we were like, man, we just love tacos. So we thought, you know what? We're going to have a tacos every night all week. Tacos are great a couple of times a week. But tacos every night... It makes it simple in the meal plan, right? What are we having tonight, kids? Tacos. Guess what we're having tomorrow night? Tacos. There wasn't anything wrong with the tacos. In fact, we prepared them exactly the same way every night. But do you know what happens in our flesh when we get the same thing all the time? I'm so sick and tired of tacos. I wish I had a hamburger. Great, let's do hamburgers every night. I am so sick and tired of hamburgers. I wish I had. Right? This is called maturity. This is called the faith. Because Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, guess what it means? You're following me today, and you're following me tomorrow, and next week, guess what we're doing, everybody? Follow me. I am so sick and tired of following Jesus. All he does is—it's our human. It's the desire. It's—it's it's our boredom factor. It's our "I only want what I want" factor. It's the reason many people struggle in relationships. It's the reason many people struggle in jo- jobs. I mean, we're seeing this strange diversity happening now in our culture because of this very principle that people are losing their jobs, not because of even poor performance, but they leave after two to three years. Why did you leave that job? I was bored. And a generation ago, people stayed on one job for 30 years. Three years? Good Lord, I gotta get finding something else. I I know this job inside and out. That's just when you're valuable. <laughs> and now oh, I'm bored. I gotta get out of here. And then we have to start the whole process all over again. Same thing with church. Oh I, yeah, I've been to that church. I, they do. And about the time you get interesting, you leave. Because you finally got some maturity. You finally developed a pattern of actually being here. And, oh man, they because yeah. no matter where you go, you've got two choices. Either that place is in disorder because it, it won't be anything consistent any given Sunday, or you're going to find a church that their, their pattern is just a little bit different, but pretty soon, in two or three years, that pattern gets the same, and you know what they're doing, you know why they're doing it, and then you've got to decide, am I going to stick with it? I'm going to jump to another church and another spouse. And another boyfriend or girlfriend, and another, or another religion, and another, and it has nothing to do with you trying to find spirituality. It's that you're following your stomach. So Jesus just plainly says, verse 35 I'm the bread of life. I keep trying to lure you into this conversation. I keep trying to try to grab a little bit spiritually to see if you're actually hungry for spiritual things or if you're just following your flesh. So let's just be clear. I am the bread we're talking about. And whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Spiritually, yes, we have stomachs, right? He's speaking in a spiritual sense. The thing that's driving you is your flesh. It's the opposite of spiritual desire. It's that flesh. It's a carnal desire that's pushing you, that's dragging you. But if you want that to, to be sated, if you want that to be satisfied, you've got to find the bread of life and you'll never be hungry again. In fact, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I will satisfy your needs. But you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. I'm standing right here and you keep waiting for a sign. You can't just accept that I am who I am. And if I start doing signs, you'll just keep asking for another one and another one until. And believe me, even if he started doing signs, you know what would happen pretty soon? It's like, yeah, that Jesus, all he does is miracles. I wish he'd just sit down and teach us. You haven't believed, even though you've seen me. And you remember when I said that when we keep going by our flesh and that pattern, that desire, that drive? I mean, every one of us has probably been there. I'm as guilty as many. uh, Many times when I'm bored, I start foraging. Do you forage? I forage. Uh, First, I forage on TV. then I get up and I walk into the kitchen, Uh, that'll have to be cooked, (laughs) to the pantry, to the TV, Netflix this time, and I just spent a half an hour just surfing. (laughs) through the titles. Hey, maybe I should check the fridge. Thinking that the food fairy somehow came in between (laughs) and has put something in there that somehow somebody put a pizza in the oven while that half an hour was waiting and it's just sitting in there saying, eat me now. Do you forage? Have you ever done that? Now, here's where it gets dangerous. That's just, again, our human experience. When this happens spiritually, when you start looking in all the wrong places for the thing on the inside that's empty, sometimes you find stuff because that's really the danger of foraging, right? Ah, there's a bag of chips left over from Halloween. I'm sure it's still good, (laughs) and some M&Ms, and a jar of pickles, and, and I'm going to dip it all in ketchup. All right. What do we do spiritually? I want to take you to another passage that explains this really well of where this comes from. If you've ever wondered where this comes from, and why people act like this and why this is dangerous, I'm going to show you. So we're going to jump over to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 real quick. Now, Jesus had just been baptized. He's just beginning to start his ministry. This is day one. He, he comes up out of the water. A dove from heaven comes down signaling a symbolic uh, uh, message of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, God from heaven says, this is my beloved son. And immediately it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's going to be tempted there by the devil. He's going to put his faith into practice by not giving in. Verse 2, for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he was very hungry. Yeah, duh, right? 40 days, 40 nights, no food. He's very hungry. And during that time, guess what? The devil comes to him and he says to him, look at these words. If you are the Son of God. Now, what did that group question back in John? He kept saying, I'm the one that God has put his seal on. Well, if you're the Son of God, then do a miracle. Surprise us, impress us, dazzle us. Do we hear where this comes from right here? The devil says, if you're the Son of God, then tell these stones to become... Bread. What does Jesus say? No. He says the scripture actually says people do not live. Wait a minute. What? People don't live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is standing there, He is God, and He's speaking the words of God, and yet they want bread. First John explains this, and we're not going to jump there real quick, but this is what it says. He's like, if you're somebody that's a liar that can't have faith, the problem is that you are not a father of, or a child of God. You are a child of the devil, and He is the father of lies. And we believe the lies because it requires nothing of us. When we believe the truth, it must spark some faith in us to say, if he's Jesus, if he's true, then I must do something. I must believe. I must follow. I must obey. The the lie requires nothing. The lie requires prove it. Make some bread. And this is what Satan was trying to get him to do. Use your power in a way for yourself instead of in a way that glorifies God. And what we really are saying to Jesus, think about this the next time you chase that little thing, what you're really saying to Jesus, just say it like this next time. I want you to glorify me instead of you glorifying God, Jesus. That puts it in a little different perspective, doesn't it? Jesus, I want you to turn around and make this all about me And it's not about you, and it's not about God. This is all about me being hungry. But we never say it like that. We just say, I have a prayer request, or I have this, I have this. And again, we have human conditions. We are feeble, fragile people. That's where we have forgiveness. But come on, church. This is showing a very dangerous pattern of that we demand a sign from God when He has proved that He is God. And when He proves He is God and even says He's God, we demand another sign. That's a devil plan. That's not a disciple plan. <laughs> People do not live by bread alone. You will keep having to be fed. You will keep filling and unfilling. That is the problem with seeking after the natural. What you need is the supernatural. Yes, we're still going to have to eat, but after that, something's going to satisfy, and you realize who that is, and it's the person Jesus Christ, not a spiritual high, not an anointed environment, not a special speaker. You just realize, I need Jesus. But until you get to that point, you will run and run and run, seeking after. And you may not even be thinking it's a sign, but you're going to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You've become a YouTube expert. Oh, I've got to say that next thing. Oh, that next praise song. Oh, this next this. Oh, this next whatever. Makes you feel that euphoria. But what you really need is Jesus. And until you find Him... You will never be filled. You will always be thirsty. It's like drinking salt water. That's what the world offers you. Yes, it's water, but it makes you more thirsty. It will never satisfy. All these experiences, all the cultural relevance, it's only making us thirsty, but we won't run after the one that can truly satisfy, which is Christ. Because, it, oh, it's so antiquated, and that's kind of tough, and he requires something of me. Yes, he does. He requires you to step up and have faith. But notice what he says. You can't live by that bread alone by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We're going to put John 1.1 1, 1 on the screen and let this grab you here for a minute. Look what this says. In the beginning was the Word, Right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you read the completion of that, guess who the Word is? Jesus. And yet, He's saying right here, you can't live by bread, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. If God sent Jesus and Jesus spoke what God told him to say, shouldn't we be people that do what Jesus says if we're going to live and be filled and be satisfied and find joy and contentment and an abundant life? And the people that don't are people that follow religion and follow a relevance and follow a bad pattern of self-seeking. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, it's, it's entertaining at best, despite the weirdness of the actual cast of characters, Pirates of the Caribbean. And these pirates, of course, as unsavory characters, have fallen under a curse because they stole cursed gold. Bear with me for just a minute if you're not a movie goer and you're thinking, oh my gosh, he watches movies, yep, a bunch of them, okay? <laughs> fall into this curse, and by day they seem like normal people. Well, I mean pirate normal. But at night, quote, the moon reveals what we really are. And they are dead men's bones, cursed. And this one incredible scene, and maybe this is you this morning, where their Captain Barbosa is trying to explain this to this young girl about what you just experienced and why they're trying to find to get all the gold pieces back together because now they realize how horrible this curse is. He says, so long that I haven't felt the wind on my skin and I eat and I eat and I can never satisfy my craving and I can't drink enough to stop the thirst. Is that you spiritually this morning? You're trying one thing, another book, another hobby, another this, another that, another partner, another sexual encounter, another YouTube, another this, another that, and guess what? It never satisfies. In fact, it makes it worse. They can't even die and stop the curse. And this is what he's trying to tell these people is you keep following with bread but you're under a curse that until you find me and I lift the curse on you you will continually be hungry but I am the cure I am the bread that will fill you up and you'll never be hungry again I am the water that will satisfy your thirst and you'll never be thirsty again I'm living water not salt water but you've got to find me I am the word you can't live by that bread alone you've got to find me That's what makes it so hard, church, and that's why it really is so simple. Every last one of us, you and you and you and you, and it doesn't matter how long you've been sitting here, you know exactly what He wants you to do. The question is, do you need another sign? What do you need to say, Christ, I believe you are the one, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to live like you tell me to live. And realize that that's a progressive thing. It doesn't just happen overnight. This is a lifetime as he works with us. But if you never start, you'll never finish. You'll continue this. And then pretty soon the deception sets in, and you'll say, that church doesn't work for me. That Christianity doesn't work for me. It's not that Christianity doesn't work. You're not working the Christianity. And it's work. It's work to follow. It's work to say, your will be done, not my will be done. It's work to obey when you don't want to obey. It's work to obey when you don't fully understand. That's why we must follow him instead of how we feel or let our stomachs drive us along. Because we often don't know what we want or what's best for us. So here's the question as we wrap up. What bread do you want? You see, Jesus didn't come to give bread. He came to be bread. And that's where he tried to tell them, you want, this is what they couldn't see, you want the biggest miracle that will blow your mind? I am the bread. I'm the biggest miracle you've ever seen. I am God in flesh. here to save the sins of the world. What bigger miracle do you want than that? But they can't see that because it didn't satisfy them. Do you only want to fulfill your physical need or do you want to be filled spiritually? And from somebody that's been on the other side, I can tell you that even though this Christian life is not easy like some people portray it to be, it is far and away the best choice, the best decision that I've ever made because I know what it is to look for something and never be filled. I know what it is to drink your pay away. I know what it is to be full of anger and lies and frustration and somehow just hoping to forget it instead of having it taken care of. And it bottles up and it builds up until the next fight, until the next drink, until the next pass out, and then you repeat. What a futile, and we can't even see it. puking my guts out, gripping a toilet, putting my head where a human head was never designed to be. I know that little hole kind of looks like a head shape, but it's not for your head. And even saying the words, oh God, why did I do this? Get me out of this. If if you can help me not die or just kill me. And then somehow... Monday through Thursday happens and brainwash happens. And guess what happens on Friday? Let's go out! And do you think I felt like I was filled? Man, whew, that was a great weekend. Don't remember any of it. My paycheck's gone and I think I'm destroying my liver. But man, what a weekend. What we feed on affects our growth and affects our future. Just like in the natural, the so in the supernatural. What you feed on is going to affect your growth. It's easy to eat cotton candy. It's going to affect your growth. It's going to affect your future. Faith is the evidence of things that we don't see. That's why it requires faith. If you're wondering, Pastor, just give me something solid. I'm telling you, you've got the Word of God. It is solid. If it says to follow me, follow me. If it says deny yourself, deny self. If it says come to me and die, then come with him and die. That's the signal. That's the sign right there. If God's word tells us we cannot live by physical bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, then we have to decide how we want to live. You're going to live by what you can put in your mouth, and it'll only last for so long, or what you can put in your ears, or what you can watch through your eyes, or what you can feed your brain brain candy. Or are you going to live by what comes out of his mouth that will nourish and last a lifetime? It's a decision. And the great part is because of his grace. And I don't know how long this age of grace is that we have. Nobody does. Maybe you've got to think on this a little bit. I hope you don't think too long because all you're doing is wasting time. Think about that for a minute. In our world where we've become very picky and demanding, can you imagine a guy stumbling into a restaurant, disheveled, weakened, his skin is parched and dry, and walks up to the counter. I need some water. I've been in the desert for three weeks. I haven't eaten or drank. And the waitress says, oh my God, get this man some water. And she brings him a bottle of water and he says is it filtered did it come from a, an original mountain stream source did it have a good life before it was bottled is it evian is it gluten free right do you get the visual picture we come stumbling in, we, what do we need? Water. Jesus says, Come to this water, I'll give you life. I have some questions. <laughs> Drink. You know what you need? Drink it. Take it in. Scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But many of you are afraid to taste it because it's not going to taste like the world. And it may not be an instant high. What decision do you need to make this morning? What sign do you need? Here's your sign follow Jesus. He says it. The written word says it. Millions of Christians before you have done it and shown that it's the path to life. I don't know why you need a bigger sign than that.